Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. We are continuing our study of priesthood. In the last podcast, we highlighted whatever we do with our body, you and I are going to be judged accordingly because our body is an offering to God. It's our house that we must keep pleasing to Jesus every single day consistently. Okay, and I want to take you to one of our key scriptures, which is 2 Corinthians. We're in chapter 5. I'm going to be starting in verse 1, and it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. When we read this, we say we, meaning those together with Paul. We talked about this last time. Those who are like Paul, that is what Paul means here when he says we, for we know, meaning you who are like me. So to qualify, Paul, and that's what he's describing here, is a qualifier. It's those who live a life like the apostle. Verse 2, for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. So we sigh and we cry for our new heavenly habitation. Paul didn't want to be in this earthly body. We discussed how difficult it is. Right? But we don't sit and just sigh and cry and ask Jesus to take us. No, no. It's it's okay that we want that. Paul wanted that too. But we serve Jesus while we're on earth. Verse 3. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. So if the body, right? If you have the body made by God, you will not be naked. When this is taught, it must be made clear that not all have a body in heaven. This is critical so people don't believe a false hope or assurance that they're going to heaven. You should never be telling somebody that they're saved because it's up to the person to work out their own salvation. A person must at least be like Paul to be included and ultimately like Christ because even Paul said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ, meaning just imitate Christ. He is the best example. He is the savior. He is the one who came to earth to die for us so that the Holy Spirit could come and be available to us so that we can be saved. Be like Jesus Christ. Today, many still lower the standard of God so that they qualify. Why is this? It's because people don't like to fall short of the glory of God. So they create this new God that they can qualify for. It gives them peace of mind, right? And ultimately, this is deception. It's by his mercy that we are saved. And all should not feel that they do enough or know God enough ever. Nobody should have that much confidence in themselves that they are close enough to God because it's never enough. You can always get closer to God, always drawing near to him, always. It is never enough. Verse 3. If indeed, having been clothed, we will not be found naked. Remember this. Remember this. And I really want to highlight this. You must be clothed. Why? So you are not found naked. What does that mean? So Jesus will know you. So Jesus 
will claim you as his. If you have the body, right, the one given by Jesus, you have the guarantee. That's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. Let's say that again. The Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. So we learn from Paul that he lacked interest in the natural things. He was unimpressed by earth habitations. Why? Like some on this earth today, and and maybe I should say like few, Paul was a spiritual man. He was interested in things the naked eye cannot see. Paul wanted a heavenly body. And you could think of it like this. If you have a natural man, and that man sees a tall building, that natural man will gaze upon that building and marvel, saying, wow, maybe this is like a building that, that we might see in Europe, right? Those beautiful buildings in Spain, right? A spiritual man may look at those buildings, and instead of marveling at the building itself, the spiritual man will say, look what man can do. Look what man can build. Look what man can acquire when they are united. Look what man can do together. Paul would see the man can work hard to accomplish their goals, right? It's just like the Tower of Babel. God acknowledged that man can succeed on their own, good or bad. In Genesis, God says nothing can be restrained from them, meaning nothing can be restrained from man who have made up their mind, who are united amongst themselves. They will accomplish their goal. Why did God say this? Because the people were one. God also says that all must love him with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Why do I say that? Because we must be united within ourselves to truly serve God. Our body and spirit, our soul and our mind, they must be one. Unless you are united in yourself, you will not do the thing in which you want to do. Meaning, you will fail. Today, many just talk. They share their stories of their faith rather than showing evidence of their faith. Unless you are united in yourself, you're lost. You will not complete the work of God. You won't complete any work. Pertaining to the work of God specifically, faith without works is dead. Meaning, you must have evidence of your faith to be successful to receive the victory in Christ. And to even do that, you must be united in yourself, loving God with all your heart, all your mind, soul, and strength. We've been talking about priests, and a priest is a spiritual man in this world, but not of this world. This is the person between man and God. Priests must be united to God. And unity begins in us. It begins in me and in you. So I ask you, are you one with God? You need to work that out for yourself. We must be in the spirit to be a priest. And you know, being a priest, it's a difficult job. A priest must be sensitive and remain focused sometimes, no, no, all the time, day and night, okay? And as a priest, a priest must be sensitive and be aware, Because the devil uses people to suck your time and your energy. And he will use people in the church and within your ministry to do that to you. So you must be sensitive. For example, there may be one or two, hopefully just one, asking for prayer from you. Constantly wanting to talk and to talk about their natural problems, but never changing. If you don't discern this, 
Your mission will soon change to focus on that person every single week, perhaps every day if they're calling you, rather than focusing on the thing in which God commanded you to do. Okay? So the warning here, I'm not saying don't help people. I'm saying be sensitive to the people that continuously come to you and continuously not changing because you will see the evidence of change in their life. And if the person is coming to you just to vent, and they, they're not taking any counsel, they're not changing, you need to move on. You've got to shut the chapter and move on. Or else you put yourself at risk from being out of the will of God. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. And this is just a reminder that if anyone loves the world, meaning the ways of this world, then the love of the Father is not in you. So you can say that you love the Father, but the love of the Father is not in you. Let's read that. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Lust is a strong desire, okay? Lust, I think a lot of people misinterpret this as sexual only. Lust is a strong desire for anything. Lusting after uh, material things, right? Does this verse describe you? Verse 17, And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Okay, so the earth will disappear it's going to burn. We already know Jesus is going to destroy this earth and he's going to create a new earth. This verse also tells us something. So I'll ask you, is there something to do to live forever? Yes. To carry out the will of God. What is the will of God? You and I both know that the will of God is for all men and women to be saved. We've discussed that many times on this podcast. This is why we scatter seeds right? This is why we preach the gospel. This is why we make disciples. The word of God is holy and powerful and people need to hear it. The will of God is that we are the middle person between the lost souls and the savior, Jesus Christ, right? We are here to help reconcile people to God by preaching the word. So our body is important. What we do in this body is critical to our eternal destination. We must help to reconcile people to God. In the old days, this happened, but not today. Right? We've talked about before, and the church of Acts was a church that feared God, but no, that's no longer the case. There are few people going and going and going for God today. You know, when you think about it, the apostles which we read about in the Bible, they were thrown into jail. And once released, they immediately continued in the will of God. Why? Because serving is constant. We don't see that kind of behavior today. Too many today, they don't even have this attitude at all. They can't even understand it. And they remain operating in a spirit of religion where they are stuck in the four walls of the church, but not moving. Not a single person on this earth is called to remain in the pew every single Sunday. You have talents that God gave you. You were called to preach the gospel and to carry out the will of God in your life. How are you doing that? Still, these people that go to church every day, stuck within the four walls, never really moving, never really uh, carrying out their own ministry to carry out the will of God, 
These people say that they live for God, but they actually live for themselves. They are living in the world, enjoying the world, meaning the ways of this world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 says don't love the world. Priests absolutely do not love the world. Living in this world as a spiritual person is hard. It's hard when so many say, I want this and I want that, and they become too focused with the desires of self. These same people, they only show up on Sunday just to show God, hey, look, I'm here. Check my name on the, your attendance check. I'm here. And those same people are the ones that leave early. They're the ones that become distracted by the thoughts of self while the sermon is being preached. Right? They cannot lay their desires aside. They can't lay their distractions aside. Servants of God cannot be distracted or else you will not receive the word. You will not be able to chew it and understand it and really hear it and do it, right? We're called to be doers of the word. This world loves to use Sunday for baby showers, bridal showers, football games, birthdays, you name it. These are selfish, personal reasons. Sundays for true followers is the best day. It's God's day. Servants aren't loving the world on Sunday because God has declared that the Sabbath. Again, the ways of the world. The world is loving everything else on Sunday. And of course, we want those in the world to be saved. So we love souls, right? So I would just want to take an opportunity just to remind you that we do love the world. When you are a servant of God, you love the world, but you don't love the ways of this world. You are in it, but not part of it, right? You're consecrated for the glory of God. So when you want something that you cannot afford, let's say a car, many when united in themselves, meaning they've made up their mind, they devote their life to get the thing that they cannot afford, lusting against it. And when that person gets the thing that they cannot afford, guess what? Their life turns into keeping that thing that they wanted so badly. Then it's no longer the person owning the possession, but it's the possession owning that person. When we read in 2 John 15, verse 16, we learn that anything more than what we need is a product of lust, right? That verse mentions the lust of the world. Anything more than we need is a product of lust. We are to be content with what we have. Anything else is not of the Father. It's of this world. Verse 17 says of 2 John chapter 15, And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So a spiritual man is not impressed with what man can do in the natural. Sure, what man can do can be appreciated by anybody. The interest of a spiritual man or woman is to be content with God. This is kingdom living. This is the kind of living that you need to do to carry out the will of God. So why? So that you can abide forever in heaven with Jesus Christ. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we learn here, to qualify for this promise of a new body, you must serve seriously, right? You must serve seriously to qualify. You must love the Father and carry out His will. Why would a person cry to leave their body? Who is sighing about being alive on earth today? For sure, these are not people who love the world. John shared that people in the world, they like to be here. So they're not sighing and crying. Who are the ones that are sighing and crying? These are are the servants of God. These are priests. 
Amen. I want to pivot to a new topic because it's important to teach and it's important to know. Did you know that if you drank the Spirit of God, you are part of the body of Christ? The reason why I say this is because you can get wet by the holy wine, but until it goes inside you, he is not within you. The difference of this is day and night in a person. Touched by the Holy Spirit externally versus being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, it's day and night. We're going to be reading in Romans, and I want to ask you, do you know that you are a Jew in the Spirit? And that's not for everyone. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then that's true for you. What's true? That you're a Jew in the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is in you, then you are a Jew in the Spirit. Before we can learn more about the sighing and crying, we want to focus more on those verses, but let's understand that we are spiritual Jews if the Holy Spirit is in us. So to say it differently, we're not natural Jews, but we are in the Spirit. Let's go to Romans chapter 11. Let's read verse 13. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. So who's talking here? It's Paul. Paul was a Jew who was called to preach to Gentiles. Paul was a missionary. Why do I say that? Because Paul was speaking to different cultures on a mission. He was speaking to people that didn't look like him. Paul magnifies ministry, he says, meaning Paul's not boasting in himself, but in his ministry for God. Verse 14, if by any means I may provoke you to jealousy, those who are my flesh and save some of them. So what does that mean? Paul acknowledged that man might envy him. He just said it, but he wanted to express to them, hey, I'm not here to boast in myself. I want to boast in Christ and I want you to be saved. That's what Paul's saying here. Verse 15, for if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? 16, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Okay, let's break that down. First fruit, that is Christ. The lump is the origin where it came from. The lump is holy, okay? That is why if you originate from Christ, you are a new creation. What makes the tree holy? The root. If you have a holy root, you have holy branches and leaves. All of it's holy. Why? Because the origin is holy. Verse 17, and if some of the branches were broken off, and you, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them becoming a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So, what can we learn from verse 17? So some Jews were cut off because they didn't believe. Today, if you are not a Jew and believe, you have been grafted in, allowing you to partake in the root and fatness of the tree. Are you also holy, though not born a Jew? Yes. According to this verse, yes, this is why you are a spiritual Jew. You have been engrafted into the tree. The root is the same. So can Jews who were cut off come back? Yes, of course, when they believe. Verse 18, do not boast against branches, Paul says, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Let's read that one again. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Okay, so the Gentiles became arrogant. And Paul said, hey, don't brag. You Gentiles aren't even real Jews. You're only engrafted into the tree. 
right? The tree doesn't need you. You need the tree. The tree doesn't need them. You see it? Verse 19, you will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. 20, well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. So haughty is arrogant. Again, Paul's telling them, do not be haughty. Do not be arrogant. Fear. Why fear? Because the Lord can cut them off. 21. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. So if God cut off his own children, how much more would God cut off the Gentiles? So we are grafted in so that we can be included in the tree. This requires us, Gentiles, to be humbled down. And Paul is telling the Gentiles to come down. Come down from your pedestal. You have just been engrafted in. Verse 22, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. I love this verse right here because there goes the teaching that once you are saved, you are always saved. It's so clear here. If you continue in his goodness, meaning that you have a choice to not, you can be cut off, right? Otherwise, you also will be cut off. So if you're at a church that is preaching, once you're saved, you're always saved. That's not true. You have a duty and an obligation and an accountability, a responsibility to live a life that is pleasing and acceptable to God. How do you do this? You need to rightly divide the word, right? And it's not just reading, it's doing it. Verse 23, and they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and you were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? What do we learn here? God was able to put you and me in the olive tree. We should respect the Jews, for they're the real children of God. The Bible is clear. That's true. You don't feel superior to them. And again, I stress, if God will cut off his own, how much more are you and me? You know, I'm so grateful that Jesus allowed me to be grafted in. He allowed me to be broken down to a place where I humbled myself before him. And it wasn't easy to a place where I could tell God, I can't do this on my own. I'm weak and I need your help. I want to be good. And I could only be good through Jesus Christ. God worked in me and led me to a place of repentance, but I chose that. No one forced me to do that. I decided to repent and turn away from my sins. It's up to me to purge out the sin. And it's the same for you. Why? So that we can always partake of the root and the fatness of the olive tree so that we can have the same root, meaning Jesus Christ. I want to be closer to him every single day and I want to continue to be a spiritual Jew day in and day out. Don't you? Amen. Thank you so much. This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.